Thursday, October 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, David Hansen, and from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Happy Thursday, gents. Hey. Feeling less shut downy. We are feeling less shut downy. We'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, I guess a programming note for our dozens of listeners. Uh, we've been having some technical difficulties lately. I'm happy to report that the technical difficulties have not been inside this building. <laughs> They've been with our audio provider, who, over the years we've been working with them, they've been great, but every once in a while someone's going to experience, uh, you know, a black What you're saying is they were genuine technical difficulties. They were genuine technical right, Oh, yes, and yes, involving servers being shut yeah. down and, and that sort of thing. Sounds so, technical to me. It is, it is absolutely technical. So, as always, we appreciate your patience. Uh, we're going to talk uh, IBM. We've got earnings from them, Goldman Sachs, eBay. But let's start with the shutdown. The shutdown is now over. The 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 debt ceiling deadline uh, is is no longer, a de- or it's still a deadline now. I guess it's been moved to February. So, I guess in January and February we get to have this debate all over again. But for now, the government is reopened. The debt ceiling is not an issue, and um, we're we're kind of where we were. A few weeks ago. Yeah, you're kind of like, eh, it doesn't really feel any different, does it? It doesn't really feel any different. It doesn't really feel like a whole lot was accomplished by the people who were sort of holding things up. and Traffic on the way to work today was significantly uh, busier, I noticed, which, yeah. you know, that's that's fine. Well, and it's, uh, you know, i got to thank one of our listeners, uh, Keith Tenberg, uh, Tengberg, uh, apologies for the mispronunciation, who uh, uh, sent me a message on Twitter uh, regarding the economic impact, which is that the S&P uh, folks estimate that the cost of the shutdown is going to be about $24 billion, which is going to shave just north of a half a percent off of fourth quarter GDP. So, Yeah, I mean, when you think of all the productivity <laughs> laws, I mean, the, you know, the, the joke is how productive are they in the first place, but let's let's be real here. I mean, there's a lot of productivity lost with these furloughs, and I mean, a lot of people who, uh, you know, were not getting paid. And then I, I'll be interested to see the number of people who filed for unemployment benefits who are then going to have to go back and pay those unemployment benefits back, right? Because they're being, uh, you know, paid for for the time they were away. It just it's you know, it's another process that that I think is just going to. Just add a little bit more inefficiency. And as we talked about previously, you look at an industry like the airline industry, where we had JetBlue and, and Delta and others who had new jets sitting in a hangar in Europe because the FAA personnel to give the final clearance for those jets. Well, now those jets can can come to the states. Yeah. And and let's not kid ourselves, the craft brew industry is up and running once again. So keep those those, I, I, those seasonal beers. Get, I feel really good about that. Getting stamps of <laughs> approval, new labels, all that. I would be remiss to not at least bring this up because I saw a tweet last night that really just chapped my hide. I mean, I mean it was just one of those things where you, you see this. It, it's I, I am not aiming towards any one political side here. It just happens to be from Lindsey Graham. I'm going to call him out on it because it was just – The senator just, from North Carolina. Uh, South, South Carolina, Carolina yeah, which is my home state, by the way. I – but man, this North tweet Carolina, just, that's my home state. This tweet really yeah. was was wow. It says we could have done much much better. By the time we got to this point, we were playing poker, only holding a pair of twos. <laughs> and I mean, I think that just really sums it up, right? These guys were playing cards, but they weren't playing with their money, so yeah. it didn't matter. Yeah, and that's what that's what got this to where it was, and that's that's the attitude in Congress, and that's what we're dealing with, and that's why we are. I don't play poker very often, but when I do, if I'm holding a pair of twos, I generally just fold. Typically, just typically you, you don't push it to the precipice. <laughs> I mean, but hey, um, let's talk about IBM. Big Blue down more than six percent this morning. 
Third quarter profit of four billion, but the expectations for the profit and the revenue were much, much higher. <laughs> and the stock getting whacked. This is one of those stocks. First of all, great long term performance. I think over the last eighteen, nineteen years, this is a stock that has, on average, returned about eighteen percent. So this is a market beater for a long time. Yeah. By the same token, I don't remember, given the size of this company, the last time it moved this much in a single day. How bad was this? Pretty significant. I mean, if you look at the last five years, the stock has done really well, but it's been it's been an epically horrible 2013 for IBM, and today is just really just adding insult to injury there. But I mean, it's it's well deserved. I mean, they've earned it. Uh, they, they missed sales uh, estimates by about a billion dollars. Now, to put that in context, I mean, they made about twenty-four billion dollars in, in revenue. Uh, they did hit their earnings numbers, but to be clear, there that was basically due to a tax benefit. So, yeah. you don't really like seeing that. It's typically not sustainable or really material. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these guys are just witnessing. I think a very a very fast changing tech environment where once they used to be really the the big dog in the industry from hardware to software and services and everywhere in between. But now this is really it's, – it's a fast-changing space. They are witnessing a big slowdown in growth overseas. China was one good example where uh, sales were down about 20 percent, and they uh, witnessed about a 40 percent ding in their hardware division there. Uh, you know, and then I think another sort of a microcosm of sort of the headwinds that they face here is recently you saw IBM butt heads with Amazon Web Services and bidding for that CIA contract, yeah. uh, and Amazon ended up winning out. You know, that, that was for some cloud computing services, and Amazon won. And so I think that we're going to see more of this as time goes on. <laughs> there are more options out there, and they're going to have to compete more on pricing. Uh, so while I know this is one of Buffett's big four holdings at Berkshire Hathaway, I, I'm really I don't see any compelling reason at all to invest in IBM. I just don't see where the growth really comes from. I think there are other ways to to look at this, uh, but but IBM's not the one I'd pick first. That, yeah, that was going to be my my question as well. Is this isn't one of Buffett's really long time holdings? This isn't Wells Fargo. This isn't yeah. Coke. This was pretty recent, so it doesn't look good on paper. I mean, certainly doesn't look like a huge growth company, obviously. But I don't know if I'm going to be the the one to bet against Buffett. I mean, I think he has the track record, obviously, that right. that he he makes prudent investment decisions. That'd be putting it nicely. Um, so maybe the business doesn't surge and, and revenue's not growing at a huge clip. But maybe there's other ways this company can produce returns for shareholders, whether it be more dividends, buybacks. Um, yeah, it doesn't look great today. But I, I'm I'm not running out to bet against Buffett today. Although, the next time we see disclosure from Berkshire Hathaway and we see movements in terms of percentage increase and decrease in the holdings, if all of a sudden you say, oh, by the way, we've lightened up on our shares of IBM, <laughs> is the, does that change your mind? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Uh, I mean, Buffett's certainly not immune to maybe making a mistake, maybe yeah. just saying, hey, I, I was wrong about IBM. Uh, it's certainly possible, but I'm not betting on it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised to see him do anything. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I I would imagine he would just leave this leave this the way it is. I mean, it, it he, he's, he's obviously not a tech guy. I mean, we know that. Right. I mean, this was a bet more on a big, solid, uh, you know, stalwart of a company there and share buybacks and dividends and all that good stuff. Um, and it doesn't mean that they won't do well. I think it's just it's not going to be it's not going to be quite as easy as it used to be for them. But uh, I imagine he'll He'll continue to hang on to that position for some time, I bet. Shares of Goldman Sachs down a few percentage points this morning on their latest quarter. Uh, fixed income revenue down 44%, David. That's, um, that seems big. That seems like a big number. That's not small. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this, is not a, this is not a Goldman Sachs problem. This is 
or a specific really? problem. Because the shares are down this, this morning. This is yeah, it's a couple of percentage points. Um, I'm a shareholder, full disclosure about Goldman Sachs. But the fixed income trading, and just to make this clear, I think a lot of people who don't follow banks or don't understand banks, they see fixed income trading and think, oh, this is Goldman Sachs proprietary trading. This is them making risky bets. That is not what fixed income trading is at Goldman Sachs. This is client-driven trading. So they have market-making activities. They work with hedge funds, institutional investors to buy securities, sell securities. They're kind of a middleman in this market. So this isn't Goldman Sachs betting on corporate debt, betting on on government debt here. This is client-driven trading. And across the board, clients were pretty quiet in the third quarter. So this isn't just a Goldman Sachs thing with trading revenue down. We saw this at Bank of America, JP Morgan. Everybody's experiencing it. So it's really just a quarterly hiccup. How much of your personal thesis investing in Goldman Sachs is tied to Lloyd Blankfein, the CEO? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I'm a fan of Lloyd. I am a big fan of Lloyd. And one of the... the, uh, qualitative things that we use here at The Fool, and I know uh, Jason's over at Fool One, and one of their big factors is, what do the employees think of the CEO? Yeah. What is the what does the Glassdoor review uh, say about the CEO? And I actually looked that up right before I came in here, and Lloyd Blankfein is sitting at 93% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 93% amongst on employees. Rotten tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes. Not Rotten Tomatoes, Glassdoor. sorry. Yeah. Glassdoor. Both ratings, both percentages. <laughs> Because um, if he had an acting career, then I, I could There's yeah, going to be a go. movie about this at some point. I was, I was on Rotten Tomatoes earlier as well. <laughs> um, so, so he's at 93%. Just so, uh, some comparison out there. Jeff Bezos, 87%. Kevin Plank over at Under Armour, 80%. Uh, Craig Je- uh, Jen uh, Neck at uh, Costco. Jelinek. Jelinek. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. one. Um, 93%. So similar. So uh, I'm a big fan of Lloyd Blankfein. His employees are a big fan of him. So I'm still, I'm still a believer here. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, actually, before we, we wrap up with uh, with eBay and their quarter, uh, I should mention, um, as some of you already know, uh, David and Matt Kopenheffer host a daily show, daily video show called Where the Money Is. It's on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe for free. It's on Roku if you have a Roku device. Uh, the audio version is now on iTunes. So it's not filmed in this studio. It's filmed in uh, the studio where we do Investor Beat. So the audio quality is not quite the same as here, but it's still uh, still definitely a show worth checking out, uh, really a daily drill down on financial services, on banking. Um, and Rotten Tomatoes. And, 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 and maybe a little movie, maybe a little bonus movie. Um, and speaking of Investor Beat, Investor Beat, our daily video market wrap show, is now on iTunes. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, I think if you listen to Market Foolery and you check out Investor Beat, uh, I, uh, I think two things worth mentioning. One, Investor Beat is shorter. Uh, we keep it to about six or seven minutes. Uh, and we cover more companies. Typically on Market Foolery, we're talking about you know three or four companies. On Investor Beat, we're hitting seven, eight companies every day. So uh, check it out uh, on iTunes. eBay's third quarter. I guess the results were about what they expected, but they lowered guns for the fourth quarter. Stock getting hit a little bit today. Uh, this is a stock. I, 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 this shows you how closely, as a shareholder of eBay, I pay attention to the stock. But I looked at it this morning and was surprised to see it's basically flat for the last year. It has sat out the run of the market uh, over the last twelve months. Uh, David, you were looking at the numbers. Uh, similar to Goldman Sachs, it seems like, eh, you're not that worried. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think it was a bad quarter. You still see pretty good growth over at PayPal, which is, of course, a subsidiary of eBay now, which makes up around 40% of the revenue there. Um, 
So yeah, PayPal continues to, to get a lot of users. The marketplace is still growing at double digit percentage points here. So overall, I didn't think it was a bad quarter. Maybe just a little bit of short term thinking by the market here, saying fourth quarter doesn't look great. Maybe the holiday season shopping is a little bit light. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. Seems like a lot of companies have been. I mean, maybe it was just today a little bit of recency bias here. But it seems like we've heard a lot of people, a lot of companies, ratcheting back uh, expectations here for the holiday quarter, and, and I'm sure. Part of that has to do with uh, just you know the past three weeks, but um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. No, I think you're right, and I've seen a couple of people, sort of market commentators, uh, talking about the shutdown in light of earnings season and saying, "Look, if you want to focus on earnings, you should be focusing on earnings because the truth is, this shutdown and all the noise around the shutdown and the debt ceiling is." Uh, you know, clouding the fact that some of these earnings results aren't going to be that great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you said, maybe it's a little recency bias, but it does seem to be like, oh, okay, these are, you know, certainly in the case of IBM. Um, now, on the flip side, American Express, uh, and we'll tie this back to the payment in a second, but American Express hitting a new all time high. Chris, I love this business. <laughs> I'll turn to my fan all the way on the right here. Uh, it really seems like American Express is just crushing it. Yeah, I, 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 they are. I mean, they are doing a lot of things well. I mean, American Express is just set up in a little bit of a different uh, market position than your Visas and your MasterCards and even your PayPal's and things like that uh, because they focus on a bit of a more uh, affluent, I guess, consumer base. Um, you know, they, they tend to, to not see the, the the ripple effects from from shutdowns and financial crises and things like that uh, you know and, and when they do see those effects it's it's not nearly as pronounced and so I mean American Express also because they are a bit different because they have that closed loop system where they control basically the whole relationship the, yeah. the relationship with the merchants and they issue the cards uh, they they are able to I think generate a customer loyalty. That the other cards aren't able to. I mean, when you go to a bank and they're just going to give you a Mastercard or a Visa, and you don't care, you don't ask for, you just get me, give me a card, right? Right. I mean, with an American Express card, I mean, you're going to sign up for that card, you're going to pay an annual fee for it. And I mean, I, I'm an American Express card holder. I mean, I, I do like it. I mean, it's something we've been able to use really for a lot of our household expenses. Uh, and then you get a lot of rewards. The points uh, are, are huge; they never expire. Um, you never have any problems with the car. A lot of sort of ancillary services they can offer with it. So, uh, but I think that what they're seeing also is, is some growth in their corporate presence, and that's that's a part of their business that really is is starting to pick up. The, the global commercial services uh, part of the business is what it's called, and it's responsible for about fifteen percent of the company's net profit now, and that just is going to continue to pick up. And th- those corporate clients can really be uh, really be lucrative over, over the course of time. And uh, so I, I think that if you keep your eye on that, uh, certainly uh, they were coming up on some easy. Here that had sort of lapped from last year, but yeah, very good quarter. It's another one of Buffett's big four, by the way. He's got about a fourteen percent holding in that company. Okay, so that that offsets. He likes American. I was going to say that probably offsets, <laughs> you know, in in headquarters uh, in Omaha how He's they're feeling, feeling about, about IBM. That, yeah. um, but we've talked before about the battle for the living room and how you look at entertainment, you look at movies, television, gaming, how it's all getting. It's all really converging and in some ways getting kind of messy. It seems like the battle for your money is getting Mm -hmm. maybe not as messy, but it's getting messier because you've got – on the high end, you've got American Express and all of their service offerings. But David, you and I were talking earlier today about Square, Mm -hmm. which is a private company 
Howard Schultz uh, from Starbucks. Starbucks has invested in it. Uh, he sits on their board. They're going after the lower end, but they're kind of nipping at PayPal's heels. And I feel like it's only going to get messier because mobile payment as an industry will continue to grow. And Square now has this new system called Square Cash where mm-hmm. I can I can send money to you for no fee, and PayPal has the same offering, but there's a 3% fee on top of it. Oh, but wait, don't forget, <laughs> Amazon offers the same services as well. Amazon Payments. I right. mean, yeah, they, they are you know, officially in that space as well. And so, yeah, I mean, what you're seeing is just a tremendously competitive uh, space, which is great for us. Uh, but yeah, it does Great seem for like us as consumers? Messy. Yeah, great mm-hmm. for us as consumers because you have so many options. Uh, but yeah, it, it does seem like it's getting kind of messy. But at some point, does does one area become so big that a company that's not currently playing in that area has no choice but to enter it? So, for example, Amex, which is really making its bones at the high end of the market with the annual fee with membership, and membership has its privileges, at some point, do they develop, do they look at what's happening with Square and relationships with merchants and say, God, we got to come up with like a low-cost offering. Maybe. I mean, they, it's they possible. Do, they do have the low-cost offering, though. They have the, the Amex Bluebird, which is a prepaid card. It's not, it's not a peer-to-peer kind of thing. Okay. But um, they partnered with Walmart where you can get a card that you can reload. You can get your – I think you can get your direct deposit on it from your job. Mm-hmm. So Amex does have a little bit of a lower-end um, market a, in this. And a card that you can keep a balance on, too. So they are chasing after more of that consumer. It's it's not one that they they tend to prioritize because I, I think that they want to try to mitigate some of that credit risk if it's if it's possible. But you know, you even see American Express moving towards the Twitter sphere and like mm-hmm. you know syncing up the relationship with your card there with Twitter, and you find those deals out there. You retweet, and then all of a sudden you get twenty dollars off of a dinner at wherever. And so yeah, I mean, I think they're all trying to figure out how to play sort of into that into that mobile space and how they can benefit from it. You know, some some companies is obviously going to be much more relevant than others. I don't think it's as important for something like an American Express. Um, I don't know that you necessarily look at a, at, Amer- at American Express as a big sort of a rule-breaking growth stock at this point. Right. I mean, it is actually a bank-holding company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's a company that's going to continue to generate some steady cash flows and, and reward shareholders for, for a long time. All right. David Hansen, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Monday. Monday.